Friends, before we begin, let me mention that Tracks for the Journey is available in a book series. I've revised and expanded each podcast as an essay for you to enjoy. Search on Amazon with my name and the Tracks for the Journey title. There you'll find Volumes 1, 2, or 3, available in paperback or Kindle edition. Or you can go to my website for a direct link to find these and other resources. Thanks for listening today. Roll the intro. Ready camera one. Three, two, one, live. With those special words, I directed my first news program at KODE TV, Joplin, Missouri. I was a proud 21 years old and had advanced in my first job to be the studio director for the evening news. That's pretty impressive, right? Well, maybe I should be a bit honest. The TV station production team was probably 10 people. Our market was mostly rural population of southwest Missouri, Kansas, and Oklahoma. I had started as a studio cameraman, and when the manager offered to raise my salary to $3 an hour if I would work the Saturday night news, I was ready. My first promotion at a real job. Jan and my parents were proud for sure. I'm Larry Payne, your host of Tracks for the Journey, a program dedicated to your well-being. I like to blend progressive Christian theology, psychology, science, and history to explore ways of increasing your well-being. Today, let's talk about work, life, and the ever-elusive subject of balance. The latest survey about job satisfaction says that 40% of workers are less than satisfied with their current job. This may be contributing to a phenomenon called the Great Resignation, which has seen millions of Americans leave their work to do something more satisfying. Some left because their work was too exposed to the danger of COVID infections. But many used the pandemic to take a step back and look at whether their values in life were being fulfilled by the work being done. The enforced holiday brought a larger perspective, not easily found in the scramble of everyday life. Now as we come out of the pandemic years, the mood among the country's workers seems to be a mix of uncertainty, frustration, and hope. Does your work enhance your quality of life? The Pew Research Group asked nearly 20,000 people in 17 modern nations an important question recently. The survey wanted to know what makes life meaningful to all these thousands. In the U.S., more than half listed family as the most important factor for meaning. That was true in 14 of the 17 nations also. United States respondents listed friends in second place, while occupation came in a distant fourth. The evidence seems pretty clear that our work isn't one of the key factors in our quality of life. Should it be? Well, let's talk about that a little more. Let's look back at the pandemic, though, first. The pandemic seemed to bring out this dissatisfaction with an opportunity to find something better. Millions discovered the improvement of remote work. About 40% of Americans can do their jobs remotely, 
and now many are demanding to do so. For millions, the promise of less commuting, minimal health risks, living in a better location, and having more family time seem much more important than ever before. Whether employers will respond to these demands as life returns to pre-pandemic patterns is still an open question. There may be new and hybrid models that come to be more common than ever before. Continuing to talk about the pandemic's impact upon our jobs, it also exposed the underpayment of many workers deemed essential to modern society. We're aware of heroic medical personnel and first responders battling on the front lines of the pandemic. But we discovered that teachers, nurses' aides, truck drivers, child care workers, grocery employees, cooks, and others kept our society going. These heroes were, and still are, underpaid and left out of benefit packages. This seems to expose a dark defect in how our society values these crucial people. If these jobs are essential, they should be compensated as such. A slight reversal may be underway in the demands for higher pay and more benefits and union representation, yet many are complaining because this is adding to inflation. Maybe we're just catching up with what's needed. A final devastating impact of the pandemic was on millions of working mothers. With schools shuttered and Students forced to stay home, it was most often the mother who had to juggle work or even quit to do the caregiving. Millions were caught in a tug of war between work demands and home responsibilities. Guilt, exhaustion, and financial pressure were daily demons to be battled. And later, many child care centers were short on staff and the children had to be kept at home even though the jobs were reopening. Women's employment fell by 18% in the worst year of the pandemic. The struggle with childcare now brings severe limits on the career paths of many women. It seems like the failure to prioritize affordable childcare is robbing the economy of talent and raising the stress for too many families. Finding a balance of work with all the other parts of life is obviously a challenge. Many have struggled with it. And I faced that challenge during my many years as a pastor. My normal schedule called for me to work a 12-hour day, at least five days a week. And most evenings were away from the family. The toll on my energy and my wife and my children was huge. I didn't realize it so much then. I should have thought about it more because I missed untold hours of interaction with the children. This schedule also put a burden of busy evenings on my wife's shoulders, who had her own full-time job and then responsibilities alone with the children. It's hard for me to admit that our quality of life was at best only mediocre during this time. After 27 years of that kind of grind, I was more than ready for a change of pace, and I'm so grateful that it came and allowed me to finish a second half of my career a little more in touch with the family and the things that were of greater priority. Now, the problem is not that we must hold down a job. Having work to do is as old as the human race. 
The first chapters of Genesis hold the beautiful legend of God giving the primordial couple the work of taking care of the Garden of Eden. They were to be God's representatives, the stewards of the earth. They were the first essential workers for sure, weren't they? As William Messenger writes, At the beginning of the Bible, God builds work into the essence of humanity. He creates people in his own image, and he himself is a worker. Work continues through to the very end of the Bible. There is work in the Garden of Eden, and there is work in the new heaven and the new earth. Another perspective from the scripture about work came during the time when the tabernacle of Moses was being constructed. The craftsmen were described as filled with the Spirit of God to do their stone and artistic work. These tradesmen constructed the beautiful tabernacle, and that is a picture of how our work and meaning can be linked no matter what our vocation might be. Now, as we turn further in the pages of Scripture, the writer of Ecclesiastes was not quite as enthusiastic about work. The writer, looking across all of life, laments, quote, I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind, end quote. That sounds like a textbook case of burnout, doesn't it? It sounds like some of the clients I've counseled who are struggling with emotion under the demands of their work. We know from history that the Industrial Revolution really changed the equation of work and home dramatically. Since the beginning of time, most people had worked around the home as a farmer or a craftsman or a merchant or a fisherman. The burdens of providing food and shelter required labor day after long day, and usually involve every able-bodied member of the household. But the 19th century brought a different world to the developing countries. Work at the factory or the plant or the office or the mine removed the worker from the home. The family and the worker had to adjust to these long absences each day. That process is still happening today. We are struggling with a period of global revolution in the balance of work and home, work and meaning, or work and health. Hey friends, I'd like to expand the Tracks for the Journey podcast. I'd like to reach more people with the message of improving their well-being. You can help by sharing your recommendation with friends and family members, pointing them to the Tracks for the Journey podcast website, or to listen on their favorite provider. But there's another way. You can support it through a website called Buy Me a Coffee. Now, since I don't drink coffee, I've kind of retitled it, Buy Me a Book. But you can invest some pocket change, $1 to $5, that will create some new resources for growth. You can do this on a one-time basis, and it will help expand by buying advertisements and improving the production quality. And, as a bonus, I'll be sending some extra material to those who sign up as supporters. 
Sounds like a great deal, right? So you can find out more details by going to my website, tracksforthejourney.com. There you'll find a link to buymeabook.com. And you can invest just a few cents in order to help expand this exciting ministry. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining me today as we talk about work and life and that ever-elusive balance. Things are changing dramatically for many people, and I think it's important to consider it in light of all of our concerns. Do you conceive of God as working in the world? Or is your image of God a static one, removed from the nitty-gritty of your world? Well, Jesus reveals a perspective on the reality of God working when he said to the disciples, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Another often quoted verse is in the book of Romans from the Apostle Paul, which teaches, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Progressive theologians teach that this divine work is woven into the deepest fabric of the universe from the Big Bang to now. God is not removed and distant and unresponsive to us in this universe. God is revealed by Scripture to pervade every entity and moment with the energy we can call love, well-being, or creativity. The theological term is panentheism, the belief that God is present in all things and all things are present in God. The divine is truly omnipresent, and omnipotent with every subatomic particle, human being, and supergiant star, creating and evolving throughout the universe. Here's the important part. When we work, we're joining with God in the creative making of this world. We collaborate with the divine in making today and tomorrow. God needs us for the stewardship of this world and for the future. So let that grab you as you report for work or enjoy a Saturday afternoon of leisure. Because work and families are so infinitely varied, there is no one simple formula for gaining a healthy balance of work and life. Let me suggest that the healthy adjustment of your work and life begins with claiming the values you need right now. For instance, the beginning months of a new job may require extra time and study. This steals time from hobbies and the family, yet is necessary to fulfill the value of learning the work and to have a secure wage for the future. In contrast might be the family with newborn triplets. Mom is a doctor and the main breadwinner, while Dad is self-employed. The value of family brings the decision for dad to become the full-time stay-at-home caregiver for the first year of precious chaos around those babies. In each of these situations, the key for emotional health is giving priority to the main values to the greatest extent possible. Following our personal values may require the power of setting boundaries with the powerful word no that helps to assert our worth when business or culture pushes us to unhealthy patterns. The process is not easy, but can bring harmony 
and emotional wellness. from scripture may help us to do a better job balancing all of these things. The Sabbath commandment is a beacon shining on the balance of work and life. The seventh day, which we would call Saturday in the modern calendar, was the day of rest. For the Hebrews, escaping slavery in Egypt, this was a divine gift of life-changing goodness. They had the privilege of laying down their tools for a sacred day of rest. Now, it is good that the modern world has expanded this to embrace the ideal of a 40-hour work week. That battle was hard fought, pitting unions against profit-hungry businesses who cared little about employee health or safety. It took many, many protests, and the vision of Franklin Roosevelt and his labor secretary, Francis Perkins, to push through the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938. It was then that American society began to claim the benefit of a 40-hour work week that we now take for granted. We would do well to keep this rhythm in mind as we build our work-life balance today. A story about work made worldwide headlines recently. Walter Orthman, works for a Brazilian textile company. He started there when he was just 16 and worked his way up. Now, that's pretty normal, but here's the important part. The first day of his work was January 17, 1938. That's right. He has worked for the same company for 84 years. That has earned him a place in the Guinness Book of World Records. He had some words of wisdom when interviewed by a reporter. When we do what we like, we don't see the time go by. Walter may be an example of how he followed his values to provide work and life across entire decades. My journey in ministry carried me through 40 years of full-time work. Now I have a different balance with retirement days salted with a little part-time work. Perhaps the time has come for you to seize the day to create the work-life balance that is best for you and your family during this day. No one else is going to do it for you. So it may be time to dig deep into your values and your dreams to plot a course toward fulfilling those better. Some confusion will be normal, but so will real possibilities for good. Gain the vision of God inviting you to join in the sacred task of using your finite energy for a purpose larger than yourself. Like Adam and Eve, you have a garden. Tend it well. Thank you for listening today as we've talked about work and life and balancing. I hope it's been helpful for you. You can connect with more helps for your well-being on my website, tracksforthejourney.com. There you can read the blog, order books, or connect to this podcast. A link to the full transcript is on my website. 
and I invite you to follow the Facebook page, Tracks for the Journey. Or you can email me with the address trackspodcast at mail.com. I'll be taking a break after this episode to do some summer studies. So I hope you'll continue to listen for periodic updates as I share those during the summer. Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio, all rights reserved. Hosting is by buzzsprout.com. Music is from pixabay.com.